chapter number one. We began into the book of James just a few weeks ago, and uh, we, we started uh, our walking through verse by verse through the book of James. And now we are continuing in our study in the book of James. In James chapter number 1, we'll be looking at verse number 5 in just a moment. Before we do, let's pray and we'll ask for the Lord to help us today. And then we're going to dive into the scriptures together this morning. If you have the scripture in your hand, uh, it's sure a blessing to be able to do that. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can find one in the back of your seat there. And if you uh, want to, uh, can't find one there, you can look to the screen. We'll have the words there in just a moment. Let's pray as we begin. And we're going to dive into God's word together this morning. Father, thank you for being a holy God. Thank you, God, that we can come to you and we can worship you. I thank you, God, that you are real, God, that, you, that you're not just some far off, um, this imaginary thing. Lord, you are real and you, you want to have an intimate relationship with us. And I pray, God, each person in this room, Lord, would be able to have that with you, Lord, through your word. And, and God, that if there's someone here that doesn't have that, that they would, uh, Lord, be so challenged, so burdened by, by the singing, by the message that we're about to hear, God, that they would desire that so deeply and they come to you. And we're thankful, Lord, that your word promises that if we seek that time with you, Father, you'll meet with us. I pray, God, that if there's somebody here that's never trusted you as their personal Savior, that they don't know that heaven is their eternal home, I pray today that they would come to that realization that they'd see that they are a sinner, and that they would pray and accept you as their Savior. Father, I pray for each person here now. I pray that our hearts would be prepared. God, we've already asked you, Lord. We prayed yesterday. We prayed this morning. God, I've asked you to meet with us in a unique way. I've asked you to fill me. And now, God, I pray that your word would go forth. I pray that you would bind the devil and his demons, that he wouldn't be able to touch the seed of your word, but that seed would be able to find good soil in our hearts. And God, you'd be able to move in our midst like only you can. And God, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory already for what you're going to do. We pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. Look with me, if you would, at James chapter number 1, and we're going to begin reading verse number 5. The Bible says this, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. As we began into the book of James just a couple of weeks ago, we saw James, the half-brother of Jesus, recording the scriptures for us. And, and we saw the first week of how about how he, he pointed to the one thing that he wanted us to know about him more than anything. He said, listen, I want you to know that I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were challenged by that example, the example of Jesus Christ as he washed those disciples' feet. That, that example that James so passionately desired to follow. Last week we continued and we saw how we can have joy in the midst of trials. And, and, and really he dives right into this thought right from the beginning. And he says, listen, uh, I want you to understand this. Uh, you can count it all joy when you fall into diverse uh, various trials and temptations. What was he talking about here? Well, we know that, that this group of people that he's writing to, those that are scattered abroad, the people of Israel, the new believers there in that first century that were under persecution from, from those that were without as they were fleeing from that persecution as they were going all over scattering all over the known world with the gospel of Christ facing persecution facing uncertainties and yet God said to them you can have joy in the midst of your trial 
He concludes verse number 4, and we talked last week about that, what he said there, that you could be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And, and that word wanting literally means to lack nothing. <laughs> Talking about how you can get to that place with God where you go through your trials, you go through your difficulties, and, and you just can't really explain it. And some of you remember, as we talked about the strawberry and the watermelon, and Ron gave us such a, a great description of, of what a strawberry tastes like, tastes like love. And, uh, and so we, we talked about that last week, and, and uh, we, we walked through that and, and just understanding that, that it's hard to explain it but there's something about the, re, the, the relationship with Christ where you can get to that place with Him where you just realize He's enough. Lacking nothing. Wanting nothing. What a beautiful picture. And so we're left a little bit scratching our heads as we come to the very next phrase of the very next verse. As verse number 5 says this, if any of you lack, I mean right after he says, listen, you can come to the place where you're lacking nothing, he says that you're wanting nothing, he says, but if you lack something, <laughs> I mean right into it, he just dives right into it, and he says this, it's interesting what he said, because it's something that encompasses all of us, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, wisdom, we all, we all need wisdom, but understanding what wisdom is, is, is very important. James, James calls this wisdom. He, he, he looks and he says, listen, in the, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your difficulties, in the midst of the things that you're facing, the various temptations, he said it's easy for us to come to that place where we lack wisdom. But wisdom is more than, than just a mere knowledge or understanding of a situation, or in this case, a trial. No, wisdom is knowing what to do with that trial. Wisdom is knowing what to do in the midst of that trial. It's the application of that knowledge. And also be called insight. Last week we saw as James challenged the believers to have joy through their trials. We talked about how often through our trials our, our faith is challenged, it's, it's stretched, it's, it's increased through those trials. And as believers, it is the trials of life that are often the catalyst that, that builds our faith. And, and though it, it often hurts as we go through them, there is joy that can be found as our faith is increased. Our reliance upon Christ brings us to that moment of realizing that He is enough. So when we come to verse number 5, James casts this wide net that catches every believer in that first century and every believer that's here today. He tells us about a general need for everyone he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, insight, what to do with your trial. You see, God desires for us to live in verses 3 and 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's where He wants us to be, but the reality is, is oftentimes we find ourselves in verse number 5, lacking wisdom. Lacking wisdom. God, what do I do with this? What do I do with the trial that's in front of me? What am I supposed to do with what's happening to me? You ever found yourself in the dark before? I'm not talking like physical dark. Most of the men in this room will understand what I'm talking about. You know, uh, you, you, you get to that place where, where you're just going throughout your day and, and, and it just seems like everything's normal until all of a sudden you realize something's not normal. Okay, something's, something's off. And it, it comes in the figure in my life of a little five foot two uh, lady, and uh, and and I just notice something's not right, something's a little little off, and and I'll go to her and say, "Is everything okay?" And she'll say that that word, and and you know 
Men, you know what she's going to, yeah, you, yeah, Jenny, thank you, yeah, I, I'm fine. I mean, like, and you know, if she's fine, she ain't fine, okay? That's not, that's not how that works, and, and immediately you're racking, I, I mean, at least me, I'm racking my brain, I'm thinking back through my day, and I'm like, God, what did I do? I mean, like, a, a, what, what happened? And, and, and I go to her and say, uh, uh, Tress, what, did I do something? Now, that's, I mean, that's a rhetorical question, okay? Listen, I understand, I did something, okay? But what is it that I did? And, and, and I'll finally come to that place, and, and I'll come to her, and I'll say, Tressa, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then she'll, she'll ask that question that puts me in that deep, dark hole. What are you sorry for? <laughs> yeah, Ron, you know, right? You understand. What are you sorry about? And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I was born, and then, you know, I just, it was kind of downhill from there, right? You know, it's just, I don't know what I'm sorry for, but I know that I am sorry. And, uh, and she's, it's almost like she, she looks at you, and she's like, why don't you go think about what you're sorry about, you know? Hey, we'll come back and talk later. You know, you're, you're in the dark, you know? What's, what's, what's going on? I don't know, you know? And, and there's been times that I've come to the Lord, and I've said, God, I don't know what I did. Will you help me? Because I... I'm in the dark here, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, I want, I want to be sorry for what I did, I just don't know what I'm sorry that I did, you know, and, and, and we've probably all been in that place before in our, with the Lord that we, we don't understand what's going on. We're in the dark. God, God what am I supposed to do now? I, I want to have joy. I, I want to trust you. I, I do. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how. I, I don't know. What, where am I, what am I supposed to do with this? What, how do you want me to use this? I, I don't know. This trial that's in my life. What do, I, what do I do? Well, God gives us a wonderful promise in verse number 5. He says there, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I was listening to a message this last week, and a preacher said, See, we serve a liberal God. And uh, I thought, man, that's not the way to say that. You know? And... Uh, the word liberal here is not, that's, that's not what it means, okay? It doesn't mean that he's, a, he's neither Democrat nor Republican, okay? That's not what it's saying here, okay? It's, it, when it says liberal here, the word liberal literally means he's, he's straightforward. Straightforward. He, he doesn't, he, he's, he's not, you know, going to be vague. He, he, he's straightforward with us. And then it says this, that he upbraided. We, we don't use that word very much in our world today. You, you probably haven't recently said, stop upbraiding me. You know, I mean, like that, you, you probably haven't said that maybe in your entire lifetime. It, it has the idea of, of criticizing. He says that, that, that we serve a, a liberal God. He's straightforward. But listen, he, he's a God that, that doesn't criticize us. You say, what is, what is he talking? What does this mean? God tells us that if we come to him in our times of, I don't understand what to do, that he'll be straightforward to us, that he, he won't criticize us for coming to him. And listen, what, is that, what does that mean? Because I, I know this. If, if I come... Or my kids come to me and, and they ask me the same question over again. We, we've, our, our little, our kids are, you know, are, are almost three, almost five and, and seven years old. So we get this question a lot. Why? <laughs> you know, why, daddy? Why do I have to do that? Well, why do I, what? and I mean, it's like one after another after another, just constantly. Why, 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 why? And, and as a parent, you try to be long-suffering, right? But sometimes you're like, because I just said so, you know, it's just, uh, you know, that's, that's how you feel. The Bible says God doesn't do that with us. God says you can come to me. 
You, you, can, you can come to me. You can, you can, you can bring your requests to me. Uh, have you ever been in a place where, where you're struggling with what to do next? And, and you're like the children of Israel that we talked about last week, where the, the, the waves are in front of you, the sea's in front of you, and, and the, the mountains are around you, and the, the, the Pharaoh's army is behind you, and you, you don't know what to do. I mean, it seems like you're in an impossible situation. You're saying, God, I want to live for you. I want to honor you, but, but what do I do? I, I don't know what to do next. It's in that moment that God says we can come to him as much as we want. As much as we want. God doesn't tire of us coming to him. He, in fact, he encourages it. In Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 8, he says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they, they shall be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And in Matthew 11, he gives us this promise in verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We, we have a God that, that, that loves it when we come to him. He loves to hear our voice and he tells us that that wonderful promise that when we come to him i love it that he will give us wisdom insight it's what he says there in verse number five if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god to give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him that's a promise from god if we could we, we have a hard time kind of phrasing exactly what What's being said here, it's kind of broken up a little bit in our, in our English language, but it, but it literally has the idea of, of let, let him ask the giving God. We, we have a gracious, heavenly Father that loves us. In Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 30, it says, Where, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? In Matthew 7, verse number 11, the very next chapter as he's up there on that mount, he, he tells them this, If ye the, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good thanks to them that ask Him? God, God is less interested in giving you the why of your trial. And He's far more interested in giving you insight into how you can use your trial to glorify Him. And he promises if you ask God for that wisdom, that insight, he'll give it to you. And then we come to verse number six. Because following this wonderful promise from God, hey, if you lack wisdom, oh yeah, that's me, Lord. I, I, I need it. I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a difficult time. You can see the, 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 the scattered crowd that, that's all over. They're saying, yeah, we, we, we don't understand, but we want to keep living for God. We don't know what to do. Hey, he says, listen, if you ask to God, no, listen, he, he, he gives us liberally. I mean, he's going to be straightforward with you. He upbraids not. He's not going to criticize. You can keep coming to him. It shall be given to him. And then there's that conjunction in the verse number six. But, <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's some important buts in the scripture. This is one of them, okay, where he says, but, okay, so, so what he's about to say, everything that he just said is contingent on what he's about to say. But, let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We, we find God's stipulation. His stipulation. He says, if you want wisdom, 
He says, I want to give it to you. If you want discernment, if you, if you want, want that, that, that perspective, he said, if you want it, he says, I want to give it to you. But here's the clause. Here's the clause. This is, this is where James, through inspiration of God, turns things on its head. I, I can remember growing up hearing messages by preachers that would preach this verse by itself. Out of context, right? They, they, they would read, they'd read verse number, number, uh, number six, and they said, but if you, if you ask in faith, nothing wavering. Uh, and listen, uh, God can do anything. God will give you anything. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a favorite, maybe a favorite reference for the name it and claim it preachers, right? They stand up and say, listen, if you, just, if you just believe it enough and you ask it with complete faith, knowing that it's going to happen, if you just do that, then whatever you ask for, it can happen. And I'm over there, and I'm like, Lord, give me a, you know, a, a big old F. 350 truck and and uh, you know i mean I, I you're like kyle that's what you would ask for i don't know so you know but i mean like you're you're sitting there and you're like oh just give me just give me this and and and, and how many of you have prayed a prayer like that and and you had complete faith and you really 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 believed it and then it didn't happen <laughs> and you're you're sitting there going scratching your head a little bit going wait a second hey listen I, i've been with with people where I've, I've sat down beside them and prayed with them. And they said, would you pray that God would heal my body? And listen, we prayed with, I mean, to the best of our ability, with complete faith that God was going to do it. And then it didn't happen. And then we look at verses like this and we're like, well, what do we do with this? Because I had complete faith, nothing wavering. But what, why, didn't this, why didn't this work out? Well, understand this, God isn't a genie in a lamp that you can rub for three wishes. He's not some lucky rabbit's foot that you keep in your pocket, okay? No, listen, in my limited knowledge, and it's very limited, in my limited intellect that I have, I have discovered a profound truth. You say, what is that profound truth, Kyle? Please, please expound it to us. Well, I have learned this, that verses 6 through 8 immediately follow verse number 5. And verse number 5... It immediately follows verses 1 through 4 and the thought that's taught in them. And so as we teach and we preach on this, we should put things in context. James isn't switching his thought from the first four verses. No, rather he's expounding on them. In the midst of our trials that we face, when we come to God and ask Him for insight, for wisdom on, on what to do with it, how to truly be perfect and wanting nothing... You cannot come to God with doubt. Now don't miss this next part because if you miss it, you will not understand the verses that we're looking at this morning. He says here, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith. Faith. Faith in this passage is a strong confidence, a trust, a reliance in the object or person. That, that's, that's literally what it means. The emphasis of this faith is not on the person's faith or trust, but in the object of the person's faith and trust. You say, what, what, is this, what does this mean? Well, James wasn't saying, if you ask for insight and wisdom, God will give it to you. But, but let him ask in faith, believing it's all going to be answered the way that you ask. If you really, really believe it, it it'll happen. 
No, no, James, what James is saying here is if, if you ask God for insight and wisdom, God will give it to you, but let him ask in faith that God is still and will always be who he is. He, he's God, regardless of what the answer may be. James was saying if if you come to God on the fence of if he's still going to be God in your life based on the insight that he gives about how to walk through it, he's not going to answer that request. That's what he says. Because God's way of bringing glory to himself isn't always the easy way. See, in our life, the, the way that we think that God's going to receive glory when we're going through a trial or a difficulty, we think, well, when God delivers me from it, then I can point back and say, look at what God did. But sometimes that's not the way that God works. Sometimes God leaves us in that trial. Sometimes the answer to that trial isn't the way we thought it was going to be answered. And how many times have we been in that place where we're sitting there and saying, God, are you still there? That's the faith that he's talking about here. Because if we come to God and that faith is based on the result of how God tells us we're going to glorify him through it. And we say, well, if it's this, then yes, I will praise him for it. But if it's this, then I'm going to struggle with continuing to follow. God says, I'm not going to give you that insight. I'm not going to show you because you're just going to waste it. You're not going to use it for my glory. If, if your view of who God is is dictated by the insight that he gives, he just won't give you the answer to your request. That's what he says there in verses 6 through 7. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That's what he says there. He says, listen, if you're going to come to God and say, God, if you answer my prayer the way that I want it to be answered, I want to glorify you in it. And so if you, if you, will, if you will do this, this, and this, then God, I'm going to give you all the praise and the glory for it. God's going to look and he's going to say, listen, if, that's, if it's all based on the results and it's not based on who I am, then no. No. He says, that man shouldn't expect to receive anything of the Lord. I'm not going to give him insight. I can't help but think, as he, as he says here, that he, he's, he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. I can't help but think if, if James didn't reflect back on maybe a story that he heard from the disciples. I, I don't think he heard it from Peter, because we saw in Mark, whenever Mark was writing from the perspective of Peter, Peter didn't even put it in there, but maybe the other disciples he heard it from. Maybe it was maybe John, or, or maybe Thomas, or, or maybe the other James. Maybe, maybe he sat down with them, and he, he was talking with them. He said, hey, listen, let us tell you. We want to tell you a story about something that happened. You're never going to believe it. This is unbelievable. They said, listen, in, Mark chapter number, or in Matthew chapter number 14, we, we were on this hillside one day, and, and God fed 5,000 men besides women and children. It was unbelievable, an incredible, incredible day. 
day, I mean, out there in the desert. And he said, they said, you know, after we finished eating our, our, our food that, that God gave us and we collected the fragments and filled 12 baskets, it was just, it was amazing. Uh, God, God told us, he said, all right, hey guys, why don't you, why don't you just go uh, and, and get in the ship and, and start to head to the, to the other side over there. And, and I'll send, I'll take care of the people. I'll send them away. And, and, and you know, when we went over and we got in that, that boat and, and we started to sail across and as we sailed across, it was like kind of about the middle of the night and all of a sudden the, the wind started to blow and the, the waves started to crash uh, against our boat and, and, and all of a sudden, I mean, like we were trying to row. I mean, we were fishermen. I mean, like we're fishermen. Come on, you know. We, we thought we could, we could handle it. And all of a sudden, we thought we were going to die. And, and somewhere around 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the morning, as we're out there thinking that our lives are going to end, all of a sudden we looked over and they said this. They said, James, listen, you're not going to believe what happened. I mean, we're out there, we're rowing, we're giving it everything that we, we could, and all of a sudden we looked over and we thought we saw a ghost. I mean, that's what we thought. We thought it was a spirit on the water. I mean, it was walking on the water. And I mean, like, you, you can just imagine, like, all of a sudden, not only were they afraid of the waves, not only were they afraid of the wind, not only were they afraid of the thunder and the lightning, but all of a sudden, now ghosts are walking to us. And we're like, ah! You know, I mean, like, we're scared out of our mind. But then Jesus spoke. And, and he said, don't, don't, don't be afraid. It's, it's me. It's me. And, and he said, they said, listen, an amazing thing happened. Listen, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. James, you're going to have a hard time wrapping your mind around this. All of a sudden, Peter, you know Peter. Yeah, I know Peter, okay? I mean, everybody knows Peter, okay? Peter, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, we're all sitting there in the boat just shocked by who it is. And, and Peter looks over to me. And in verse number 28, uh, in Matthew chapter number 14, Peter looked over and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Lord, if it's, if it's really you, then will you invite me onto the water with you? And he said, he said, Jesus looked at him and said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, James, you're not going to believe it. It's unbelievable. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. It was unbelievable. I mean, we're all out there in this boat and we look over and Peter is walking on the water to Jesus. It was absolutely amazing. But then as he's walking across, something happened. I mean, he's walking across to Jesus. Jesus is standing there. And then all of a sudden, he, he stopped looking at Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us in verse number 30 that he saw the wind boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. I think we get this in our mind that like he's walking across and, and all of a sudden he becomes, I mean, like the waves and stuff. And all of a sudden he just slowly begins to sink into the water. You understand that's not how slinking in water works, right? I mean, like, I mean, like he's walking and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and all of a sudden he is like underneath the water. I mean, like he's pumping out, oh, Lord, help, help me, help save me. And Jesus must have been, you know, fairly close to him. The Bible says, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Oh, man, what a good Savior we have. Reached out, grabbed Peter while he was sinking. I mean, Jesus, I mean, he was right there. Lord, would you save me, please? Jesus reached down, pulled him up. But, but James, I, I, this is crazy. Listen to what, what Jesus said. 
ye of little faith? O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now listen, if you're like me, I read that story, and I'm like, I've never walked on water before. I mean, like, I mean, I don't think, I doubt any of you have before. I mean, um, you know, probably anybody? No? Okay, good. All right, so we're on the same page here. And, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, I've been in, like, I remember growing up, we had a swimming pool at the house, and, like, we would, like, put rafts out there and see if you could run across the rafts to get to the other side. I mean, we're not even talking, like, water. We're talking, like, rafts. And, and I mean, like, you get going, all of a sudden the raft slips out. And you know what happens? You sink, okay? You go down. Uh, my buddy Jeremiah, he had a, 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 a bass boat. And we'd go, we'd go uh, fishing together. And if we weren't catching fish, well, then you'd go out there. And, and, and one person would take that. And they'd set the throttle all the way up. And you'd go flying across that lake. And you'd jump off and see if you could run across the water. I mean, and you might get a step or two before you started somersaulting. I mean, that was just the way. And then you sank right down into the water. Listen, I've never walked on water before. So, so Peter looks at Jesus and says, Lord, bid me to come unto the water, to, to come to you. And the Lord says, come. And Peter, he actually, like, he actually stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. Listen, the rest of the di- disciples are, are in the boat. If it's me, I'm looking and saying, listen, you know what? They didn't have much faith, but Peter had some faith. I mean, like, that took some faith. I mean, I doubt that he walked on water before. That was a pretty big deal. And so why would Jesus say, oh, thou of, of little faith? What was he talking about? He saying, you know, you needed more faith? Well, no, 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 I don't, I don't think that's what he was talking about. No, when Jesus said that, he wasn't referring to the amount of faith that Peter had. After all, J- J- or Matthew chapter number 17, verse 20, says that Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for I verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove thence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. I mean, you, you, you think about that. I mean, like, I mean, like, I would say Peter had at least a grain of mustard seed whenever he stepped out on that water. So why would God say, oh ye of little faith? It, it, listen, it wasn't the amount of faith that Jesus condemned. It was the length of faith. When Peter stepped onto the water, he had unwavering faith. Not, not that he could walk on water, but that, but that Jesus could allow him to do it. But somewhere along his steps, doubt crept in, and he took his eyes off of the object of his faith and put them on the circumstances around him. And the Lord said, if you just trusted a little longer, if you just kept trusting, Oh, ye of little faith. When did you doubt? James tells us there. If you ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Because an un, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Jeremiah 17, the Bible says this in verse number 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, maketh flesh his arm, that means he trusts in himself, whose heart departed from the Lord. You know what the Bible says he's going to be like? He shall be like a heath in the desert. You know what a heath is? It's like a tumbleweed. 
We have, we have tumbleweeds sometimes out here. I remember in, in Lancaster, California, where we went to Bible college. Uh, Why well, don't understand this? Mariah will understand this. Uh, in Lancaster, California, it was high desert. They had tumbleweeds. And I mean, like, they weren't just like little tumbleweeds. I remember one time I had a Ford Ranger whenever I was in Bible college driving down the road, and there was a tumbleweed that was the size of my truck. I mean, like, I literally thought, I'm going to get tumbled by a tumbleweed. I mean, like, it's going to be a bad deal. Hey, he says, you're going to be like a tumbleweed, a heath in the desert. Shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and salt and land, and shall not and, and, and land and, and not inhabited like a like a tumbleweed that gets blown around from one place to another, who trusts in himself. When the heat comes, will be quickly uprooted. What happens? It's well, you know. I, yes, God, I, I I trust you, but what if it doesn't work out the way that I? I want it to, and it's pretty shallow depth. Faith that's not, that's not really that, that deep. It, it's, it's wavering faith that gets blown around. But then he says immediately after in verse number 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out a root by the river, shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You know what that tree does? It pleases God. It brings him glory. When people walk by and they see a tumbleweed, it's a nuisance. When people come by and see a tree that's blooming, well, it's, it's a wonder of God's creation. And it points to the Lord. And here in the scriptures, he points and says, oh man, if you're coming to God with a shallow faith that says, God, based upon how you answer this request, will determine if I continue to trust you or not. He says, don't expect to receive anything from me. No wisdom from me. No insight into how you can glorify me. Because what I may give you may not be the way that you want it to be. And if you're just going to reject it, I'm just not going to give it to you. Firm faith, not in the outcome of life circumstances, but in the one who holds our life in his hands. A faith that's not based on what the answer is, but on a, a faith that's based in the one who is in control of the circumstances to begin with, in control of the circumstances regardless of what the answer may be. Faith with nothing wavering, because while we may face uncertainty about what may come, we must have full confidence in the one who controls those uncertainties. James gives that final warning in verse number 8. He says this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We, we, we've heard that verse so many times quoted. Again, pulled out of context and, and used in various places. And sure, the application is, is, is applicable in many other places. But within the context of Scripture, it is dealing with trials and faith through them. And our response to God in them. And how we can glorify God through them. A double-minded man is unstable. There's a little video that I want to show you very quickly here. It's, it's a short video. It's of me, and so you'll, you'll enjoy it. But uh, hopefully it further explains. And, and we'll talk a little bit about what this means. So, so go ahead, and, and if you want to show this, um, Todd, so we can see what, what we're talking about. This was me. And Jace walking across. Now just wait for it. Just wait. Yeah, you see this? 
Yep. Here it comes. I made it all the way across, okay? So some, most of you in this room were waiting for me to fall in, okay? I know what you're waiting for. You're like, yeah, he's going in. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, shame on you, okay? Listen, I had a child in my hand, all right? As I was walking across that log, you know what I was not thinking about? I wasn't thinking, man, I wonder what we're going to eat for lunch. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't walking across there thinking, man, I wonder what I'm going to preach this Sunday. You know, I wasn't walking. I'm just going to tell you, I wasn't walking across that log thinking about you and your problems. I can guarantee you that. As I was walking across that log with the child in my hand that's looking around like this, as I'm holding on to this rope that I realized was not as stable as what I thought it was, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, oh my goodness, I am going to fall. I got to, I got full, complete focus in every step. In fact, if you zoom in, Tressa zoomed in on it. And what I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, I mean, some of you do this. I, I mean, like I am like fully focused on walking across that low. I mean, there was nothing else in my mind. We, we watched a documentary about a guy that, that free climbs all these, these mountains and things like that. And one of the things that he said, and he said when he climbs those mountains, he said his mind's so clear. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're so clear because there's only one thing that you're thinking about. If I grab the wrong spot on this rock, I'm going to die. I mean, like, that's what it is. I mean, like, full and complete focus on one single thing. You know, as we, as we weaved our way through verses 2 through 8, there's a tapestry that, that's formed that, that speaks to any person that will open their heart. Verse number 4 gives us the results of the one who will find their way to a place of complete trust in God, a, a place where they want nothing. I mean, just, ah, God's in control. This place of peace because you aren't fixed on the trial or the circumstances, but you're fixed on the one who controls the trials and the circumstances. But by the time we reach verse number 8, we find a person who's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Now this is interesting because the Bible says, and if you've missed everything, don't miss this last part, okay? He says this, a double-minded man. I mean, this, this is the person that, that, that listen, is, is not full trust in, in God. It's the one that says, God, depending on, on how this works out, I, 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 yeah, I'll trust you if, you if you do it this way. But, it, but if you don't, I'm going to really, really I'm gonna, oh, I just don't know. And, and, and the person that, that goes to the trial, and God, will you help me to know how to glorify you in it? And God says, well, if I, if I, if I tell you how you're going to, if I show you and demonstrate to you how you're going to glorify me through this trial, it's going to be hard. And oh, I don't like that, so I, I don't think I'm going to... He says, listen, that person that's unstable, that person's got a double-minded, is double-minded, he says he's unstable in all his ways. Now listen to this, unstable here, unstable, it has the idea of this, being restless, being worried, listen, being anxious. You can see those displaced mothers that James is writing to who are worried about how they're going to feed their children. You, you, you can see the Christian father who's, who's in the jail cell, anxious for what the next day could hold. The, the teenager, the young teenager that, that's restless because they don't know what suffering may lie in their future. Each one's faith being shaken, unstable because of their life circumstances. And while you may have reached the point, this point in the message without finding the reflection, your reflection in the words of Scripture, as we pause here at verse number 8, 
I think we can all find that this one hits the bullseye at one point or another. You ever find yourself restless, worried, anxious? What's going to happen? What if, it, what if this happens? What if, it, what if this... I don't know what I'll do if, if this... See, stability and peace is not found in knowing that it's all going to work out. It's in knowing that my God loves me. And no matter what the results are, remembering that He's still enough. Having faith not in faith, having faith not in the, that, it, that the outcome is going to be like this, God, I just know that you're going to answer my prayer the way that I'm praying it. No, 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 that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is, God, I have faith that regardless of how it turns out, that you're still God of my life. Because no matter what comes, that person will find stability in Christ. You know what it is? It's a focus. That's focused on one thing. Oh, look at this trial over here. No, 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 I'm focused on this. Oh, but what if this happens? No, 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 God, I am focused on you. And God, you're still good no matter what. And God, will you show me not what the answer is, but God, will you show me how I can glorify you through this? After all, Proverbs 3 says this in verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not on stability, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Listen, listen, we always stop there. Be not wise in your own eyes. No, 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 what do you do? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It's, it's walking across that bridge, and as the darts of doubt and fear and worry and anxiousness are fired at you, you choose over and over to stay focused on the one who is outside of your situation and controls your life. It's trusting, listen, in the sovereignty of God, that no matter what the results, He is always right, because He is always God, and He is always good. And when you start to lose your footing, when you start to sink like Peter in the water, that you pause and come back to that place of stability that you find in Christ. And you ask God to give you that wisdom, that insight for how to walk through that trial and to bring Him glory through it. That is what God has called us to do. As we finish this morning, I want to turn our attention one more time to the book of 1 Peter. You don't have to turn there. I just want to share with you. Those, those first century Christians who were under persecution of Nero. Nero, whose favorite form of persecution, favorite form of punishment, was to take those believers and put them in his garden, tie them up, and at nighttime he would douse them in oil, set them on fire, and he would walk through the garden, and they would light the garden as he would walk through. Peter's writing to them in First Peter. 
And he says this in verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he was doing? He was turning their attention to the one that was unchangeable. The one that was consistent. The one that regardless of their circumstances that was still good. Blessed be the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Which according to his abundant mercy. And let me remind you of something he says to the church. He hath begotten us. Again, into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to, uh, from the dead. To an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled, that fadeth not in a way, that's preserved, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. You know what he does right off the bat? He says, listen, don't forget, your God saved you from the flames of hell. Your God, he, he, listen, you are saved by Him, you are kept by Him, you are preserved by Him, and no matter what this world may throw at you no matter what persecution may come listen you're going to open your eyes in the presence of your savior he begins by reminding them that but he goes on and he says this wherein ye greatly rejoice this kind of sounds like you know having joy though now for a season if need be you are in heaviness through what through manifold temptations you know what that means various trials now listen this is where it hits home that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, listen to what he says here, though it be tried with fire, that it might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you, you haven't seen, they were in the same place that we are, you haven't seen them with your eyes. You're just going off of what? Off of faith. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, faith, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You know what Peter was telling these young believers? That their deliverance probably wouldn't come with them going home to their families. He said, though your faith be tested, yet so is by fire. Listen, when they were tied to those posts in Nero's garden, there was no going home. There was no escape. Their only way of escape was what? Was they were going to open their eyes in the presence of their Savior. And he said, knowing that it may not work out the way that, that maybe you or I would want it to work out, you are still choosing to give God glory through it. You know what that is? Lord, I lack wisdom. <laughs> Will you show me? Will you give me insight into how I can glorify you through the trial, not by deliverance, God, but even by death, God? Would you show me how I can glorify you in that? And because of that, they could rejoice. Friend, this morning, do you lack wisdom? insight into how you can glorify God through your trials and your opposition. Ask God today. He tells us here, if you ask of God, He giveth to all men liberally, upbraideth not, and it shall be given to Him. But if you ask, ask in faith. Faith founded not in what the answer is, but in the God who holds the answer. The God that holds the circumstances.
Come to God and say, God, regardless of what the answer may be, I want to glorify you through it. God, give me wisdom. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed today as we finish our service this morning. If God has spoken to your heart, we're going to have a time of invitation where you can come and you can respond to the Lord. We'll have a time at the altar where you can come and you can pray. Maybe you need to just make your seat an altar. But maybe you'd say this in my life. I have not been trusting God the way that I should. My quote-unquote faith has been based on the deliverance from my situation, not based in the one who is unchangeable. And this morning, I need to ask God to change my perspective, not from the answer to my prayer, but to the God of my prayer, that God, you are still good regardless. Yes, I will still pray, and God, will you give me this? But even if you don't, if not, may your will be done. And may I glorify you. This morning, God's spoken to your heart. The Holy Spirit's moved in your midst. I hope that this morning that you'll spend a few moments with Him, responding to Him. This morning, maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and you'd say this, Kyle, you didn't talk much about it, but as you were preaching, God's Word just has the power to convict in ways that maybe you don't even say. And this morning, I don't know that I'd spend eternity in heaven if I died. If something happened to me today and my life came to an end, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I'd sure like to know. The Bible tells us that we can know for sure that we're going to spend eternity with God. It tells us that every one of us is a sinner that, that, that deserves to go and spend eternity in hell in a lake of fire. But Jesus Christ gave His life on that cross. While we were yet sinners, He died for us. And that if we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, it's kind of like that same faith. Jesus, not based upon anything that I can do, I'm putting my full trust in you and what you did on that cross. Will you forgive me for my sins? Friend, you can pray in your seat where, right where you're at. You can come talk to me after the service, and you can get assurance you spend eternity in heaven. If you're here today and God has spoken to your heart, maybe you're going through a trial, maybe you're facing difficulty in your life, and you're saying, if God answers the way that I want it to, oh, then, then, yeah, I'll trust him. No, 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 no. Choose today to trust the God of the trial, not the deliverance. Not the answer, but to trust in Him. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together if you're able as the music plays. Father, bless now this time of invitation. Move in our midst and in hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed.